It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Happy Monday. How are you? Yes. Welcome. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, a lot to talk about. And uh, if you would like like to join me this first half hour, it's 866-408-7669. That's 866-408-7669. The president had his first rally. Yeah. Now, no, I didn't see all of the president's rally, but there is part of his rally that went viral. Now, I I do what I always do. I, I watch bits and pieces of it, but immediately after a rally or any kind of big Trump event, I go to CNN and MSNBC just to see what they're saying because I, then I know what the spin is. And I know that it was a really good performance by the president if they don't talk about it. Like if they don't talk about what he had to say, then I know it was really, really good. If if they if they tear apart things specifically that he had to say, then then I know that they're you know they're they're going to tear it apart no matter what. But I can I can tell how well the president did based on their tone and what they choose to cover or not cover. So I just, we have to go to this. If you miss this, this is cut seven here. We're going to start out with this, Justin. The president. So when the president was at West Point, which now I think was two weeks ago, week and a half ago, he gives the speech, you know, the congrats, the uh, c- commencement speech at West Point at the at the the military academies, and uh, it was a hot day, and the only thing you heard, the only thing I heard about that speech was the president has physical problems or something wrong with the president, the way he was walking, the way he drank water was a big problem. There's something wrong with the president. What's wrong with the president? So the president spent 14 minutes explaining what happened. Apparently when he left the stage and was walking down off the stage, all the reports that I read was that he was hesitant, that he was halting, it was halting steps, he was unsteady. There's something wrong with the president. So out of that 14 minutes, <laughs> we, we try to bring you as much of an explanation as we possibly can here in less than a minute. I said, General, I've got myself a problem, General, because I'm wearing leather bottom shoes, which is good if you're walking on flat surfaces. It's not good for ramps. And if I fall down, look at all those press back there. Look at that. And this was a steel ramp. You all saw it, because everybody saw it. This was a steel ramp. It had no handrail. It was like an ice skating rink. But I called my wife and I said, how good was it, darling? She said, you're trending number one. I said to our great first lady, I said, let me ask you a question. Was it that good, the speech, that I'm trending number one? Because I felt it was really good. No, no, they don't even mention the speech. They mention the fact that you may have Parkinson's disease. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. But the president spent 14 minutes at the rally explaining the walk and he even reenacted it. And he talked about how it's an ice skating rink with the leather shoes. And it was just phenomenal just phenomenal so 
The other thing the media made hay about was the attendance at the rally. Now, before I go into that, I want to ask you if you would attend a rally. And would you wear a mask if you attended? Mask or no mask? And I asked because Fox News just did a poll. They found that 80% of respondents have a favorable view of mask wearers, including 89% of Democrats and 68% of Republicans. Um, 61% of those who strongly approve of the president's job performance believe that mask wearers are good. They look on them favorably. Voters say that presidential candidates holding large political events and rallies is a bad idea, though. 59% of people, the same people who were polled, said 59% say holding a large political event or a rally is a bad idea. 23% said it was a good idea. 16% said it depends. Now, my hunch is those 16%, if they were being honest, said, well, it depends. Is it my guy holding the rally or is it the other guy holding the rally? Uh, also, they found that the concern about coronavirus has dropped. The peak was in, in April with 94% of people saying that they were concerned about coronavirus. Um, and uh, now it's down to 84%. So it has dropped 10%. The, the, the difference, of course, is 70% of Democrats uh, and are very concerned about the spread of coronavirus. 70% of Democrats, 35% of Republicans are concerned about the spread. So I'm curious to find out your view on masks. And I also want to know if you had the opportunity to go go to a rally, would you go? And if you went, would you wear a mask? 866-408-7669. So I dropped the paper. Hold on. I dropped my paper telling me all the all the things that all the, the things I can play for you here. So um the president at the rally, let's go to um Let's see. Oh, here we go. Let's go to Mercedes Schlapp. So she was on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace, and she was asked about the low rally numbers. Now, you saw that the rally, it, it looked like not all the seats were full. In a Trump rally, of course, there's tons of seats full. Everything's it's, it's standing room only. And they got over something like over a million requests for tickets to the rally. And uh, Mercedes was on the hot seat with with Chris Wallace. And he asked her about these numbers. And remember, Mercedes works for the Trump 2020 campaign, so she should know why. Here's Mercedes. He didn't fill an arena last night, and you well, guys I mean, were so Joe far Biden- off. Wait, let me, if I may finish, and you guys were so far off that you had planned an outdoor rally, and there wasn't an overflow crowd. And I, watching the coverage and talking to Mark Meredith on the ground today, Protesters did not stop people from coming to that rally. The fact is, oh, absolutely, they people did. People didn't show I'm up. I'm telling you, there were people. I'm, I'm telling you, there were people and families that didn't want to, br- couldn't bring their children because of concerns of the protesters. But let me make this clear. I mean, Joe Biden has an event which, with empty folded chairs and painted circles on the floor. I'd love to see a Joe Biden rally. Let's bring it on. She was absolutely right. If you saw those pictures, they were hilarious. Did you see that? So Joe Biden has an indoor rally and they have six foot circles on the floor with folding chairs in the middle of them. And there were maybe two dozen circles on the floor. And I'd say there were fewer than 10 people in the room. I can't imagine that a a quote unquote rally with Joe Biden is exhilarating. I think that if you also gave them warm milk and a blankie, most of the people would fall asleep. But um, my friend sent me this, um, went to the, somebody, this is um, from someone who went to the Tulsa rally and said that um, the arena, uh, the area outside the convention center set up by the Secret Service and the Tulsa 
PD had a U-shaped squeeze chute to funnel the crowd down to an area about 50 feet wide and 600 feet long with an outdoor stage adjacent. She talked about the security area. You had to have your temperature temperature taken. If the temperature screeners left their post, the entire entry to the rally to the arena was shut down and that did happen, she said. Uh, She said the doors opened, just before the doors opened, uh, the center had blocked off every other seat in the arena, so they automatically cut the number of people down that it could hold by about 9,500 people. Uh, Also, then, then it was opened up and more people could get in. But she also talked about when they left, about how they were funneled way out of the way to get to the parking lot, like 10 blocks out of the way to get to the parking lot. And there were no police and there were protesters. And uh, it was very, she said it was very, very frightening to have to walk all this way. And if you were older or had any kind of health problem, they wouldn't let you go out one entrance by the parking lots because they said that uh, that's where the protesters were. So they were funneling you around and there were police the whole way. Don't worry about it. And according to her, that wasn't there. Now, that's secondhand information. It's actually thirdhand information. Yeah, secondhand. Um, so, so take that with a grain of salt. But I think a lot of people didn't go because they were afraid of protesters, because the protesters have become violent. If I, I want to go to a rally, but I will tell you that is one of my concerns. I want National Guard there protecting me because these people are crazy and they're, they're so emotional. It's, it's just insane. Let's head out to Jacksonville and talk to Jerry on WOKV. Jerry, good morning. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Would you go to a rally? Uh, absolutely not. Um, I care about my family. I care about my health. What's happening is Trump didn't understand what's going on. Trump still says that this COVID thing is a hoax. It is not. People are afraid. People have grandparents like you and I who we actually care about. And to see the crowd and to see that you know trump's face and everybody's trying to make excuses for his crowd is hilarious people didn't go because they care about their family americans understand that this virus is real the president keeps calling it a hoax he's incompetent and he's going to lose so enjoy let me ask you a question what is the survival rate of coronavirus in the u.s Oh, he hung up. He just wanted to say his piece. He didn't want to actually have a dialogue. Uh, Most of them don't. They just want to say their piece and say, you know, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, and then walk away, you know, kick you and then run when the teacher comes by. Um, The survival rate of coronavirus in the United States is better than 99%. Your chances of dying are less than 1%. Now, I think most people would look at that and say, that's a pretty good odds. Like, if you told me that I had a greater than 99% chance of winning the lottery, I would probably liquidate a lot of what I own to buy tickets. Uh, the, to me, those are great odds. I also know the, the risks involved. I'm, I don't have any of the risk factors. I'm not over 65 years old. I'm not obese. I don't have hypertension. And I don't have diabetes. Those are the main risk factors. Those four right there, I don't have any of them. So I understand that maybe I'll get the flu. I also know that over 80% of people who get coronavirus, who contract the disease, have mild to no symptoms at all. My niece had it. She tested positive for the antibodies, doesn't know when she had it. She's 22 years old. Most of their friends all tested positive for the antibodies. But none of them were sick. 
So I understand. And as an adult, I am capable of making an informed decision. Would I then go and visit my, you know, my el- someone elderly, like my elderly neighbor within two weeks? No, I wouldn't. I would be safe and I wouldn't go visit her. But they're saying now that the World Health Organization is saying people who are asymptomatic probably aren't passing it on. Now, that's a probably and I'm not killing anybody. I'm not going to be that's not going to be on my head. But but now they're saying is that asymptomatic people, you're probably not going to be passing it on. You're not the carriers as we learn more and more. So as far as it being a hoax, no, I do think the virus was real. But I think when all is said and done, we're going to find out that we crashed the economy for probably no reason whatsoever when all is said and done. Uh, let's, you know what, hang on, I'll get more of your calls coming up, 866-408-7669. Uh, talking about the president having a rally, the left tut-tutting. Tut-tutting shouldn't have those rallies, but yet they defended the protests. Defended the protests because it was for a good cause. You know, we understand they're passionate. And they 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 looked the other way. But as soon as the president have a, has a rally, all of a sudden, everyone's going to die. So would you go to a rally? And if so, would you wear a mask? I'm just curious find out it is um well so i'll have that coming up right here on the brian kilmeade show it's brian kilmeade hey folks it's your man Keyshawn johnson here to talk about angie formerly known as angie's list your go-to home services marketplace for getting all your jobs done well now you might be wondering what exactly is angie well let me tell you it's the nation's largest home services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in 
blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. President Trump failing to fill the arena after bragging that a million people were trying to attend his rally. He had pushed uh, his staff to hold it despite concerns among some of his top advisors that it was too soon to be back in a rally like a rally setting like this. Uh, and what's left here is, is sort of an embarrassing spectacle. It is far lower than the expectations that the White House and the president himself put out. They expected this arena to be full. You can see behind me that there are seats uh, that are not filled. For him, all he cares about is how it looks. And boy, oh boy, it looked embarrassing for him tonight. Yeah, that, those were the, you know, the media pundits, you know, oh, not every seat is full, not every seat is full. Uh, there were people who were afraid, I, th- I think, who were afraid of the mobs, uh, you know, because there were protests planned, anti-Trump protests planned. And we saw what happened in 2016, where people were getting beaten up and having things thrown at them and having their hats stolen off their heads and everything else. Um ahead of Trump rallies and after Trump rallies. Uh, there was also a move. Uh, the left thought this was just hilarious that they were using TikTok, which is a Chinese app uh, owned by the Chinese, in order to, you know, ask for all ask for all these tickets to the Trump rally and then not use them so the, 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 the you know, the arena was empty. That's not how it works um, because there are always people outside. It's first come, first serve. You, you know, you get a quote-unquote ticket, but it is still first come, first serve. So if you decide not to show up, that seat's not going to be empty. It's not like a concert. It's they they fill the seats. So we're and and I read I shared with you a piece from a friend of mine. Um, it was her friend who allegedly went to the rally and said that they in the beginning they only had every other seat filled. So that when they started to fill, they had to fill every other seat. And then they just then they opened it up to everyone, and they opened all the all the other seats up, so people had to move, and it was it was a mess. Um, not an excuse, but I do think that you're going to see uh, the rallies get smaller because I do think people are afraid. I wouldn't bring a kid to a Trump rally. Uh, I would be so afraid for for my child because these people don't care. They're insane. They're maniacs. Um, but they were also tutting over the you know the fact that this is so irresponsible because the president they're not social distancing. But they were they were praising the protesters who were looting and rioting uh, and not wearing masks, you know, two weeks ago. That was OK on the left. They they kind of turned the blind eye or praise. Well, that's for a cause and they're passionate. Uh, 866-408-7669. Kathy in Georgia on WGVA. Would you go to a rally and would you wear a mask? I would go to a Trump rally in a heartbeat. Would <laughs> I wear a mask? I haven't worn a mask through this whole pandemic. Okay, I'm a healthy person. I don't wear a mask when the flu's out. I don't wear a mask when people got cold. You know, it's your preference. I don't condemn people for wearing a mask, but I don't wear a mask. I don't think it's necessary. And and I think that's the way it should be. If you want to wear a mask, God bless you. That's fine. Wear a mask. I find them to be too hot. I think as this entire thing, as the summer drags on, I think people are going to be chucking the masks. They're just not going to do it. It's just too hot. It's too hot. I don't really think they do what they think they're doing. 
you know, pe- I mean, I see people driving in a car by themselves with a mask on, and I'm like, just stay home. Yes. You just need to stay home. I, you I, know? I, I mean, I'm on my way to the gym. I've been going to the gym for the last six weeks. All right. My trainer cleans my weights when she hands them to me, cleans my feet when I sit down and cleans it when I'm done. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to the gym. I do tap lessons on Wednesday with a group. You know, if anybody gets the virus now, I feel it's their own damn fault for not taking care of themselves. Yeah. I have been to a doctor in six years. Well, I'm good. 61 years old. I'm on no... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Medication and I'm healthy. Well, good for you. God bless you. And I agree with you, Kathy. Thank you so much for joining us. You're so feisty. I love it. Um, I do. I listen. I do judge you if you're in the car by yourself with with a mask on. Masking gloves just crack me up. Um, and I and I also judge you if I see you like riding a bike. But very quickly, Joel in North Carolina, thirty seconds. You're the opposite. You would not go to a rally. Joel, why does this happen when I have like thirty seconds left? There's never any. I just get thirty seconds. Yeah. yeah well, I you, you, now you uh, get like fifteen. Okay, that's cool. I just thought it was a double standard that you were talking about Democrats be cutting, getting cut off, and not saying, not wanting to have a dialogue when you cut me off the other time. I didn't cut I you off, Joel. Seconds. You weren't there. I didn't cut you off. You literally weren't there when I went to you. So I didn't cut you off. And, and, and clearly he's a Democrat, my hunch is, and he would not go to a rally and he would wear a mask, which trends with the people who responded to the uh to the poll so that makes sense um we got more coming up don't go anywhere you're listening to the brian kilmeade show living the bream is a podcast hosted by fox news channel's shannon bream sharing inspirational stories personal anecdotes and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com america's listening to fox news The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And the president of the United States, knowing that the models now say another 30,000 people die by October, uh, still insists that we shouldn't be careful. We shouldn't follow the science. Don't worry about the public health. Have a political uh, arena. I mean, it makes it makes no sense. And it's the exact wrong signal. And that's what the states who are getting into trouble are all following. So that was uh, Mayor Cuomo <laughs> talking about the president having having the gall to have a rally when he's such a stinking hypocrite. He allowed the ra- the protests to go on, started out as rallies, then turned into protests, which turned into looting and rioting. He allowed it all to happen. He didn't condemn those people for not wearing masks, for not socially distancing. Nope, didn't say a word. Ignores and any kind of criticism of the fact that he forced 
uh, nursing homes to take patients who had uh, who were recovering from COVID nineteen without, and they didn't have any notice, and they had no time to set up separate rooms. They had no time to do anything. There was no guidance on what they should do, and then the numbers of people who died in nursing homes in New York went through the roof. He then changed the reporting so that if they went from a nursing home to a hospital and died in the hospital, they were a hospital death, not a nursing home death, to try to hide it. What a hypocrite. Oh, my God. Hypocrisy. I say it all the time. It is a superfood for the left. They dine on it. They thrive on it. And the media ignores what they're doing. Totally ignores it. They just sit there very, you know, very concerned, looks on their face going, yes, it's terrible. Trump's a terrible, horrible person. Trump wants people to die. That's what he wants. So we were talking about a Fox News poll, and it tracks. It tracks with, um, it, you know, if you are if you are a self-identified Democrat, you are much more likely to think that the virus is a big problem. You're also much more likely to say that you'll wear a mask. You're much more likely to say, I want a social distance or I'm not going to go places. Republicans, far less likely to say that. Independents kind of fall in the middle. Shockingly, not a surprise with any of that. Um Let's see. Uh, uh, let's we're talking about the numbers. Yeah, eighty percent have a favorable view of mask wearers. Eighty-nine percent of Democrats see that. Sixty-eight percent of Republicans. Sixty-one percent of those who approve of Trump's job performance. Um, majority, fifty-nine percent say holding a rally is a bad idea. And who knows? Maybe that's why um, you know people did not go to the rally in Tulsa because they chose you know they chose not to. I'm a big fan of choice. The left should understand that, right? Choice. I don't want your choices foisted upon me. That's what they tell me all the time, right? Um, it's my body, my choice. Well, this is my body, my choice. See how that works? I choose to go to rally. I choose not to wear masks in the bakery. How about that? 866-408-7669. But the flip side to that is, is I respect your right to do so. I respect your right to wear a mask if it makes you feel more comfortable. I respect your right not to go somewhere if that makes you feel more comfortable. I'm not foisting my choices upon you either. Now, Joel in North Carolina accused me of cutting him off, but when I went to him, Joel wasn't there. So we're giving Joel another shot at this. Hey, Joel, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. So go ahead. I was just remarking on the it's very sensationalist language that you're using here by dividing people as Democrats think this and Republicans think that, or these Trump supporters think this, or why does it have to always be about that when by generalizing people, for example, how you did with protesters, if some, if you're telling people like me that all protests, all these protests have been violent, somebody like me who actually knows people who went to these protests, I won't go myself because I'm I'm concerned for my health and my family's health, but somebody like me knows people who went. And mm-hmm. so who am I going to believe you or them? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They were actually there. And then in, especially like when you talk about that, it's a distraction. I hear that argument all the time that it's a, the, 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 the riots are a distraction. The looting is all a distraction from people who are trying to take advantage. And I would agree with that. But what I would say to that is then why are we then paying attention to the distraction instead of focusing on the issues? Mm-hmm. And I agree. So but the, the violence the, the, is happening on mm. both sides today in three separate mm. cities in North Carolina. Or I found out this weekend there were white supremacist shootings. Really? Separate cities Do you, this can weekend. you tell me where I can find that? And when, where, where was this? North Carolina? Yes, North Carolina. It was, North North, it was Carolina, Raleigh, the city that I live white in. White supremacist. Charlotte. Where was it? North Carol- Raleigh, North Carolina. Charlotte. And I don't remember the third city. 
Let's see. Now, here's the thing. Um, let's so see. I, I'm, find, I'm I got. Not no, I have nothing. Any side is worse. Just, I have I'm nothing. Not that. I have nothing regarding a shooting, but I have lots of things about statues coming down in Raleigh, North Carolina. Nothing comes up about a shooting. Um, so, so nothing is, I, I put in white supremacist, North Carolina, white supremacist shooting North Car- uh, Raleigh. Nothing came up. You'll see it so, eventually. Are okay, you maybe eventually, maybe that that'll happen. Saying? But you know what? When you say you don't like people being put in a box, now you know how it feels. All white people are bad. All white people have to pay reparations to black people. All black people have been oppressed. All black people would be further along if it weren't for white people. And none of that's people. okay either. None of I, that's okay. Right. That's what I'm but, telling you right now, but you're giving into that. No, no, no. I read the results from the poll. The poll asked people if they were Demo- uh, Democrats, Republicans, or Independents, how they self-identified there are other other when than they Democrats asked and the poll. That I'm telling you, I, I'm reading the poll to you. If you don't like the poll and you don't like the way the question was asked on the poll, complain to the people who did the poll. I'm reading to you how You're the focusing poll- on it, though. Because that's all right. That's the way it's written. You know what? I'm done with you, Joel. Thank you so much. I appreciate your call. Um, I don't. That's how they asked the poll. If you don't like the way it was asked, it's not my fault. I would be remiss if I didn't break it down and give you the numbers. That would be that would that wouldn't be giving you the entire story. But you cannot ignore the fact that people view it differently depending on their polit- it seems depending on their political viewpoint. Does that go for everyone? No, it doesn't. Not all Democrats think that it was that you should wear a mask everywhere. As a matter of fact, it's only 89% who viewed it that way. So there are some who don't, but I gave you that number. And you're smart enough, you're adults, you figure out what the rest of the percentage is. Uh, let's go to Las Vegas, Mike on KDWN. Mike, good morning. Hello? Hi, Mike. How are you? Hey, hello. How you doing? Good. Um, as an African-American Trump supporter, Republican, I, I don't know why you even waste time talking to some of these people. It's just a waste. You're just wasting your breath because they only know what they know. I want you to Google three-year-old baby gets shot in Chicago. The third shooting of the th- uh, three kids under 10 since Wednesday have been shot. A three-year-old baby in Chicago got shot and killed. Where is Black Lives Matter at? Mm-hmm. I just want to know where they are. A three-year-old little black boy got shot. In, it's, it's been yep. all over the news in Chicago. Here you go. Where 99. Now, here you're absolutely right. It came, it came right up. 99 shot in Chicago over Father's Day weekend, 12 killed. Oh my. Um, yep. Three-year-old boy fatally shot in Chicago. A three-year-old baby got shot and killed. A black mm-hmm. little boy. He had his life, whole life ahead of him. I don't want to hear anything about, listen, I don't want to hear about two grown men in their 40s, that was in and out of prison. Okay, you talking to a black man that's in his midfield. You was two black men in and out of prison. All, all types of crime. You out here burning the streets down, tearing up the streets, protesting. A three-year-old little black baby got killed. And not a peep from anybody. Where's his funeral? Where's his, his protest? Where, where, where's his Black Lives Matter rally? I mean, I'm, I'm so tired of this crap. Man. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. Uh, I, I, know, I understand. Uh, another thing. Go ahead. Uh, another thing about the Trump uh, Trump rally, Brad Parscale's. I blame him. He's got to do a better job, man. He, uh, he to me, he's running a bad campaign so far. I mean, you know, I, I don't think people was concerned about the virus. I just think, I think it is some something to the little TikTok stuff, but. He needed to do a better job to make sure that arena was filled. I mean, it is sort of about optics, but I, I, so far, 
I think he's running a bad campaign. One thing, I never liked Bill Clinton. I never liked him. But one thing you can say about him, he had his Begala. He had his car, car veal. Yep. The president need bring back Bannon, bring back, uh, bring back uh, uh, all the guys, uh, Lewandowski, bring back all the guys from, because he's got, a, the president's got to run an insurgency campaign, insurgency campaign, because the media is not playing fair. You got to bring back all these old guys. Yeah. You got to bring back people that's super loyal to you, that will fight for you. You need people like Bill Clinton had Hillary Clinton, Begala, Carville, and they're still loyal to Bill Clinton to this day. You yeah. need loyal fighters now. This is a dog fight. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, just just very quickly, because I I don't want to keep you too much. A lot of people want to get on. He needs to bring back Kellyanne. Is was really the one who ran his campaign. Put Kellyanne back on it. But very very quickly, from the black community, do you feel that there is kind of like an undercurrent where people are just staying quiet who support the president, but in light of everything that's happening, they don't dare speak up? I'm gonna tell you like this: the reason that Democrats are going crazy now, pushing all this racist racial stuff, because they have numbers that they see a large a large number of African Americans are going especially black men are supporting Donald Trump. That's why they're going crazy right now. That's why they're pushing all this racist uh Black Lives Matter stuff because they see that they don't have the black vote. And and I'm going to tell you like this. What they they're trying to recreate this Obama what happened for Barack Obama with the black vote will never ever 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 happen again for another candidate. That was a once in a lifetime thing. Okay? okay. That's never going to happen again. All right. I'm just curious. I always I whenever whenever I see one of my, my friends or I, I you know, t- I'm texting him. I'm like, so what are you hearing about the black vote? Because I, I'm always just curious to find out. Mike, we got to run. Uh, thank you. Or was that Rick? I'm sorry, Rick. Thank you. We got to run. I, I appreciate your call. All right. Um, more of your calls coming up. 866-408-7669. Um, I, I do appreciate, uh, you know, when, when you're honest and that's great. And you can criticize me. That's fine. But again, I'm, I'm just relaying the news to you and relaying the information to you. Don't shoot the messenger because you don't like the message. All right, more of your calls coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. My first response was that I hope that this is a preview for November. Uh, that finally people are recognizing that this man is a danger to our country, a danger to our democracy, and he should not be the president of the United States of America. That rally was an embarrassment. It was absolutely what the nation does not need right now. Mm. Yeah, uh, that was Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms with her analysis on, I think it was CNN, of uh, the president's rally on Saturday. She is angling to be Joe, Bi- Joe Biden's VP choice. So um, you're going to see her a lot. You're going to hear from her a lot. Uh, she's become a darling of the left. And um, I would not be surprised if she gets the nod. I've, my money's on her anyway. Let's go to Rick in Orlando. Rick on WDBO. Hey, Rick, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? I'm fine. How are you today? Good. So would you go to a rally? And if you went, would you wear a mask? I wear a mask all the time anyway. I'm in and out of some nasty places. So I put masks on when I go in there. So I'm used to wearing them. 
Mm-hmm. I wear, and so I'm a mask wearer, and I believe that they protect me, not just the other people around me. Just my experience, they protect me from catching things. Mm-hmm. That Would I go to a Trump rally? Yes and no. I mean, I, I'm not worried about going to a Trump rally because I wear a mask or whatever. I just don't like huge crowds, so <laughs> that's why I stay away from them. But, yeah, I, um, I understand that. But am I scared to go to one? No. But I wear a mask all the time. Um, can I bring up a different point? Because some of your other callers brought it up on, on this racial divide that we have. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go and, ahead. You know, okay. One of the things that is nobody wants to address the elephant in the room, which is perceptions, how we perceive things. When I turn on my morning news every morning, all I see, 80 to 90 percent of the crimes are perpetrated by black suspects here in Orlando. Now, that may not be a true number. It may only be 40 percent are black. But what the news shows me is 90. If it's wrong, someone needs to address that at the news because they're skewing the numbers. Mm -hmm. But that's what I see. So I have a perception of that. The same thing with the police. They watch the news. They're the ones that go to the areas with high crime. So they have to deal with that, and they have perceptions. Until people are willing to change how they are perceived, nothing's going to get better. You're right. There is a perception issue, and they, they, they would yell that that's stereotyping, but yet they turn around and stereotype and put everyone in boxes. Oh, you're straight, so you must be this. Oh, you're you're white, so you're this. Oh, you're a white yep, male. Forget you it. You're go. at the bottom of the pile. And they put everyone in Just boxes. Like had a rally before Trump's in Tulsa. I didn't see one blurb on the news about that rally that he had prior to Trump's rally in Tulsa. Sharpton was there. Where was the news coverage of his rally showing all the people without a mask and right. all of his racist bigotry that he spouts constantly? Yeah. It's true. You're the, and the double standard is perpetuated by the left. And, and I think what they're missing is that it's just making people on the right or in the middle, wherever you happen to be, who aren't consuming this stuff so rapidly that um, it makes you angry because you feel like you're being lied to and you don't like it. Rick, that's excellent um, observation about this this perception. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And we just had a caller who brought up, look at what happened in Chicago. 99 people were shot over Father's Day weekend in Chicago, including a three-year-old boy who was killed. You have over a dozen people killed in Chicago, 99 shot in one weekend. Where's Black Lives Matter? Where are the rallies? Where are the protests about this? But you don't see it. And so you look at that and you're like, wait a minute. Something's not right here. In St. Cloud, Florida, Bob on WDBO. Bob, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hello. Hi, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, well, as far as the question of wearing a mask, I'm in the healthcare field and, and I've got health problems and an immune system problem. So, so I would wear a mask anywhere. Uh, would I be concerned about going to a Trump rally? I don't think because of, of the uh, coronavirus thing, I think I'm even with my, my health problems, I'm able to protect myself safely. But I am concerned about people who might not like the fact that I'm going to a, a Trump rally and, and, and use some type of, of violence against people attending. Uh, and I did have two points. I just want to ask these questions. That I'm real, And I don't have time, unfortunately, because I have a doctor's appointment. But yeah, and it's, we don't have time either. So. Yeah, I have two questions. The first is regarding all of the claims about uh, systemic racism. And, and I'm, I'm, my question is, I, I honestly don't believe there is systemic racism. 
But I do believe that there has been racist and racism snuck into the system. And I'm talking about our elected officials who are fueling all this stuff, mainstream media who are skewing the way the stories are presented to either make people look good or bad based on a political desire to, for, to affect change. So I, I, I don't think that the, 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 the system is designed that, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to do these bad things. But I think people get into the system and use their political power to do these bad things, and it looks bad right. for all of us. Yeah, no, I think I think you're bringing up some some good points there, Bob. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck at the doctors today. Be a good patient. Um, I, I think I don't believe that there's systemic racism. Are there good and bad on both sides? Yeah. Are there people who aren't white who are racist? Sure. There are also people who are anti-Semitic. There are people who are thieves. There are people who are drug dealers. There's people on both sides. But we've been put in these boxes in order to divide us. Because it's easier to control people when they're pitted against each other because then they're not looking at what the politicians are doing, right? They're not watching them. And that's why I think a lot of this does come from the media and um, people in power. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, good morning. Yes, I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. He took a nice long weekend off. Well deserved. So, so good for him. Uh, coming up later in the show, we'll be joined by the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. He is a Fox News contributor and he has a new book coming out, Trump and the American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time. Uh, wow, he solves all the problems of our time. Well, this should be easy that if it's in a book. All right, we'll get started on that. We'll talk to him about how he managed to solve all the problems of our time. But first, we go to Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Find him on Twitter at mgoodwin underscore NY Post, New York Post. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning, Mary. Thank you. Always great to talk to you. So I, I thought this was so interesting, and I'm sure you saw you saw good old um, – Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York on CNN, uh, after the president had his rally and he was there tut-tutting with the rest of them and, you know, shaking their fingers from their moral high ground saying, you know, he would never allow a mass rally in New York. It's tad hypocritical, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, yeah uh, it's okay to demonstrate uh, against the president, but not rally for the president. I guess those are the new pandemic rules that uh, somehow those who are protesting are somewhat immune, I guess, to the coronavirus, whereas the, the, the Trump crowd is really, really uh, susceptible. So, look, it's just more of the double standard. Um, it crisscrosses Everything we know, science, politics, journalism, uh, there's no barrier. Um, even some scientists put out statements saying that uh, that uh, the rallies were important because uh, uh, white supremacy and racism are more uh, lethal to public health than are these rallies. So I guess, you know, the pandemic is is now a, uh, a partisan disease that that is available for partisan use 
can be explained in partisan terms and is applied. Uh, the rules are applied only in partisan ways. I mean, it's crazy, but it isn't, you know, why should we be surprised? It's been standard uh, policy for the left for the last uh, four years now. Uh, I've well, written a lot about the New York Times and journalism in general, how uh, there is no longer any sense of fairness or balance because Trump has changed the rules. Uh, psychiatrists now are free to diagnose the president without ever having been in the same room with him or talked to him. That's okay. It, it's, you know, that was always forbidden before, but because it's Donald Trump, the rules are different. Uh, I think this is, this is a corrupting influence on all of the disciplines, science, journalism, business even, uh, because if you believe in a, in a professional discipline, that there's a certain uh, procedure and, and protocols and ways, of, ways you go about reaching conclusions, but all those are swept aside because you hate the president, um, this is not good for the country because once those barriers are broken, it's not like they're going to be repaired once Trump has gone from the scene. We, we are damaging these institutions, I fear, permanently. Mm-hmm. Well, regarding the virus, I mean, honestly, if you were a virus, would you want to hang around a bunch of liberals? <laughs> No, no one wants to hang around a bunch of liberals. So, so that that's probably why they're less susceptible to. If the only disease. they were liberals. If only they were. Liberals <laughs> that's very anymore. true. That is very. If would you, all right? Would you want to hang around a bunch of fascists? <laughs> no. Your latest your latest piece um, goes into Governor Cuomo and how he just is. Not only is he ignoring what he did to the elderly people in nursing homes and sick people in rehabilitation centers in New York. But he, he's, he's actually taking credit for his great handling of the virus. What is happening? And no one has anyone asked him about this. Does anyone push him on this? Well, I have to say the New York Post, um, as an institution, has um, yes. our, our reporter in Albany, a very young woman named uh, Bernadette Hogan, uh, has been terrific in asking the governor about this uh, sort of day after day. And too many times she's the only one doing it. And so the governor gets exasperated with her. And, you know, she's very polite. She's not Jim Acosta. She's very polite. She simply asks the questions directly and persistently. And uh, in response, the governor has said some incredibly stupid things. I mean, most <laughs> of the dumb things he has said about, first, I don't know about the policy. I don't know about how many died. Uh, it's, it, uh, well, God did this. Trump did this. Uh, the New York Post is just making this up. Uh, all of those have come in responses to questions, mostly from, from the Post reporter uh, Hogan. So it's not true that the media has let him off the hook. There is one media that has not. Unfortunately, the, the others have written about it. They're catching up. Uh, Associated Press tallied the number of uh, infected patients sent from hospitals to nursing homes, about 4,300. Remarkable. Each of them in his, own, his or her own way was a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Uh, and, and so a lot of them exploded in the nursing homes and killed all of the nursing home residents. I mean, it's just extraordinary. So, you know, 
ProPublica did a terrific piece on on this, following through, uh, showing that uh, that Cuomo was wrong when he blamed the federal government. PolitiFact uh, unusually said he was mostly false in making his claims about the federal government guidance. So there have been people are, are playing catch up, and I think that. The, the image is beginning to turn and to dawn on people. Why did so many in the nursing homes die? Now, the state has done all it can to obscure the numbers. We know at least 6,200 nursing home residents died. It could be as many as 12,000. Uh, they didn't test most of the dead. Uh, they changed how they counted them uh, mid, midstream. So there's a lot that we don't know still. And I think, Mary, that's one of the to me, more fascinating things. We think we know so much about the virus because we know we should wear a mask and all of these things, but we know very little about the dead. We know very little about where they got it, where they died, how old they were, what was their general physical condition. Uh, We have some rudimentary age group information, but there's so much we don't know. And and I fear that, again, this corrupting of science that has happened, we'll never get the full picture of this pandemic, even the number of deaths. I mean, some... Some scientists have looked at sort of what is an average number of deaths, say, for New York City over the last 10 years in the months of March, April, and May, and concluded that there were tens of thousands more uh, deaths than we have attributed to COVID. So there may the COVID totals may be way undercounting what actually happened. So Andrew Cuomo is not interested in any of that. He's not interested in telling you how many people died in hospitals, which hospitals, right, where they got. I mean, there's so much we don't know. And so Cuomo takes his bow. CNN just kind of applauds him because he's the anti-Trump. But in fact, New York was a disaster. New York was the epicenter of the United States. And it may be that 50% of the deaths in New York took place in nursing homes. Um, This is an enormous death toll that would be larger than any other state on its own, just the the nursing home total. So for Andrew Cuomo to claim that he did a great job, I'm sorry. the, the, The truth says otherwise. Yeah, no, I, I, I have to agree with you on that. And you also have Governor Murphy in New Jersey who followed Governor Cuomo's lead yes. and yes. did the exact same thing with the exact same orders. And he, too, is is just adamant about it. He is arrogant about it. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to hear what anyone has to say. And he is keeping a stranglehold on New Jersey as far as opening it up. And I have a theory, and I'm curious to see what you think. I think what's happening, New York, New Jersey, especially, uh, you know, New Jersey can't open up until New York opens up. Oh, it's, but everyone from New York flees and comes to New Jersey, um, you know, because they want to get out. So they all come to New Jersey and they bring their disease with them. I, I think what's happening in these states is that, and maybe California, some other ones that won't open up, they're going to, they want to drive the numbers up. That's why they're playing with the numbers. They're fudging the numbers. We don't really know the, the real numbers. There's accusations of artificially inflating numbers. Because then they're going to turn around and they're going to ask the federal government for a handout. They're going to ask the feds for money. Oh, look what happened. Coronavirus devastated my state. There was nothing I could do about it. When we all know these states were on their way into bankruptcy anyway because of all they can't fund their pensions. 
And so this way they can get extra money. They can, by padding the numbers, they can get X number of dollars per person per death or something like that. And then they can use that then to either pay the pensions or, you know, add new programs for illegals and things like that in order to get reelected. Well, and and I I think you make a good point to the extent that uh, it will be a campaign issue, this uh, bailing out the blue states. Uh, You can bet that uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all the all the Democrats running for Congress in the fall, all in the House and, uh, you know, only a handful in the Senate, really. But they will all beat this drum that uh, the federal government has to bail out the states, the, the big blue states, and not just cover their cost, but replace the revenue they lost with the shutdown. So therefore, there's no incentive to open up, yeah. uh, because if you're counting on the federal government bailing you out for shutting it down and so you didn't collect the taxes you, sh- you would normally have collected, there's no incentive to open up, just as with the, uh, you know, the unemployment uh, that, you're, that you boosted by $600 uh, a week all the way through July. Well, the Democrats want to boost it that much all the way through January. Well, gee, what, what's magical about January? They're thinking, well, we're going to have a Democratic president. We're going to have a Democratic Congress. We want the economy to roar, and we want to use the shutdown in the fall. So they want people not to work until the campaign is over. I mean, it's pretty cynical, but it's hard to deny that's what they're doing. And it's also hard to deny that they play to win. The the left plays to win. Now, it's easy when you have the media running cover for you, so the, you know, your true motives are, are never really exposed. But they do play to win, and that's one of the things, a the theme that I come back to all the time with the Republicans. They, I don't understand. They don't see any of this coming. And then they're shocked when it's played this way because to them, they're like, that's a horrible thing. I would never do that. Yeah, well, you know what? You would never do it, but you're going to lose. So... <laughs> You, well, know, you can I'm, play I'm, you by know, the rules. An example of that is John Roberts, the chief justice, um, you know, appointed by uh, George W. Bush. Um, he has become a, an institutionalist. He used to be a, a strict uh, constructionist on the Constitution. Now he's become an institutionalist trying to keep the left happy on the Supreme Court. Uh, you can never think of a Democrat doing that. Uh, a Democrat-appointed uh, right. chief justice. Uh, so y- you're right. I mean, the Republicans sort of want to make peace. Uh, you know, the Democrats want to make war. And that's how they win elections. I mean, it is it is a nasty thing. It's a nasty thing that they did to George W. Bush when he was president. It's a nasty thing they did to Ronald Reagan. Uh, uh, nasty thing they did to George H.W. Bush, very nasty to Trump, of course, ex- exceptionally, extremely nasty to Trump. This, this is how they play. And because they have the media, it, it creates this, this uh, groundswell in many precincts. People get, oh, boy, look at, look at what a terrible president that is. So it, it, it's gotten worse with Trump than ever. Uh, I don't know what happens next. When the, when the next uh, Democratic president comes in, is it going to be just peace and love again? And then war whenever the next pre- uh, Republican president wins? So Republicans, unfortunately, um, play nice, uh, which we all wish we could all the time. 
but uh, you're in a you're in a war for power, and uh, too often brute force wins. And I, I think that the Democrats, uh, we, we've seen them with Trump. They, they have no qualms, no compulsion about boycotting inaugural, the inauguration, boycotting uh, State of the Union, interrupting State of the Union. I mean, they have, they have made the peaceful transfer of power questionable. And I think Bill Barr talked about that yesterday with Maria Bartiromo, that, that all of these things, whether the mail-in ballots, the, the FBI investigations, the CIA, this really is a threat to the peaceful transfer of power. Yeah. And it's well, coming from one part of the political spectrum. Yeah, well, I have, I, I'm psychic. I don't know if you know that, Michael. Um, but I, my, I can see ahead into the future, rioting, looting, and the pandemic and whatever else is coming, frogs fl- falling from the sky, whatever it happens to be, are going to miraculously end on November 4th. Just my hunch. Yes. Yes, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. It'll be, um, you know, you something of a prophetess there. You've you've predicted the future, and I I I, w- I would put money on it. Yeah, exactly. Un- depending unless, on the election outcome, of course. Yes, of course. Unless Trump wins, in which case, get ready because the fourth horseman of the apocalypse will will be released. Michael Goodwin, thank you so much for joining us. You can find his column in the New York Post. Uh, follow, follow him on Twitter, like I do. M Goodwin underscore N Y post. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Mary. Thank Have you. Have a great week. I'm more. I'm going to take more of your calls coming up. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We were talking about going to a rally. Would you wear a mask? But also, what you just heard Michael say here. Where does this go if Trump wins in November? What do they do next? Do you fear where we go from here? Because it's out of control now. They're going to lose their minds if Trump wins. Your calls coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. I uh, just want to quickly get to some of your calls here in Topeka, Kansas. Jerry on WIBW. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Mary. Go ahead. What did you want to say? Well, I just wanted to say uh, I, I live in rural uh, Kansas, and if the President Trump were to uh, have a rally anywhere near me, uh, I would love to go, and I would not wear a mask. So you would now? Why would you not wear a mask? Do you not have comorbidities, so you feel like you're safe? Like if you get it, I'm going to have the flu, and that's it. Well, I'm pretty healthy, and and and, and you know, I, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a white heterosexual Christian conservative male. So my life doesn't really matter for compared to considering what they're, what they're saying or does it? You well, yeah, because you're you're a racist. Yeah, that's what they think they are. And, and rather than saying black lives matter, why don't they just say white lives don't matter? Unless, you, unless you're a Democratic voter or a, or a rioter or a queer or something like that. Oh, wait, 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 Jer, Jer, Jer. You, you want a bridge too far. To Dan in Virginia. Dan, let's make this quick. Hi. 30 seconds, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hello. And- yeah, thirties. You got. You were down like twenty seconds. 
Okay, Dan, thank you for the call. Sorry. Happens every time. Every time. All right, coming up, we're going to be joined by the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. He has a new book coming out. We'll find out what's in the book. We're also going to talk to him about the rally and what he thinks of John Bolton and his book coming out and any possible legal implications along with the publication of that book. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. And good morning. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for a vacationing Brian Kilmeade. And joining me now, I have the pleasure to speak with the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. He's also a Fox News contributor, and he has a new book out, Trump and the American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time. Uh, And you can find him on Twitter at Newt Gingrich. That's an easy Twitter handle. I guess not a lot of people have that one. Mr. Speaker, thank you for joining me. Mary, it's great to be with you, and and, uh, it's always fun to be part of the Fox team. If now, the the book that you have, The American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time, this is very uh, a very prescient book because you, you talk about the election of the president and why we have to reelect President Trump and why it is so important. And it's interesting because you couldn't have seen the cultural um, revolution, as they're calling it, coming. And I warn people about using the term cultural revolution because the Taliban had one and so did Mao. And I don't think anybody, those are very two good examples of it. Did you see where we were headed with this cultural revolution? Because if you did, you're one of the, like the only person I know who saw it. Well, I knew, I knew it was coming in general. You never know what the details are, but you could see it building. I, I'm, I've been around long enough. I remember the first great wave, which was in the late sixties and early seventies. And at one point there were 2,500 bombings in the United States in an 18 month period. Uh, and so the left made a real lunge for power and failed back at, at the end of that period. And I, I could see all of the symptoms building, the totalitarians on campus, the takeover of the news media. I mean, the, the thing that happened the other week at the New York Times, where all of the radical young reporters insisted that the publisher fire the editor for the sin of actually publishing an op-ed by a conservative senator. Uh, when you see that sort of thing going on, that is a cultural revolution. That's exactly like Maoism, uh, and, and uh, or like Leninism. And so, I think you're you're living through all that stuff. You see it with Antifa. You see it with what's happening in Seattle. So, so none of that surprised me. And you know, if you if you watch things that were evolving, you could see that on the left, uh, accelerated. I think by Trump. I think uh, the, the the shock of Trump winning was so enormous that the left is kind of deranged now. Uh, and, it, and it increased the value of being a, a radical because it, it was radicalism in contrast to Trump. And so they've actually pulled the whole party to the left. In fact, one of my chapters is on the 200 radicals in the House. And, uh, of course, when Pelosi wrote her $3 trillion bill, which has all sorts of radical things in it, um, she had 207 Democrats vote with her. So it gives you a sense of just how radical they've become. 
So, so that it fascinates me. Nancy Pelosi's move to the left, her her very giddy willingness to just go there. Why is that? I was very surprised by that because I always thought, you know, Nancy Pelosi's part of the old guard. You know that she she was there. You were there. You were with her. You know, sort of at the same time. I'm I'm very surprised at her willingness to just jump on board with the likes of AOC and basically let AOC run the party. Why? Well, I, I think three things were happening. I think first, there are a lot of really big donors uh, who are very far left. Um, second, uh, she's from San Francisco, and the culture of San Francisco has become increasingly left-wing. I mean, they've, they've just elected a, a district attorney whose parents were weathermen and whose father is still serving a life sentence for killing a guard in a robbery back in 1980. So, I mean, so, so you have all of the radicalism of San Francisco surrounding her. And then third, I think she looked around and said, you know, I don't want to be the old guard. I want to be part of I want to be the leader of the new guard. And so she has sort of enthusiastically uh, adopted this, uh, this hardline anti-Trumpism that sort of culminated with her cutting up the State of the Union in a way that was really was like a seventh grade uh, childish thing to do. It was, it was a, to me, as a former yeah. Speaker of the House, who I, you know, I had to sit through four Bill Clinton State of the Unions, it would never have occurred to me to diminish uh, the dignity of the United States by that kind of childish behavior. So it's basically about money and power. That's why she's going to take this leap to the left, because she's so wealthy that, no, it doesn't matter where the United States goes. It doesn't affect her. Well, is that when, what it when is? People talk about def- when people talk about defunding the police, for example, uh, the first challenge ought to be, fine, give up your own security. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to do that because they think that they're aristocrats. And just because the rest of us ought to be at risk doesn't mean they should, because they're precious. And that's the kind of attitude you're up against. Uh, the, the level of hypocrisy is stunning. In addition, her coalition uh, is, has grown more and more left-wing. I mean, if you look, and, and it's important to understand, well, this is part of why I wrote Trump and the American Future, Biden is only one-third of the game. Uh, what they're trying to build is a Biden-Schumer-Pelosi machine. And if they get that done, if they have the presidency and the House and the Senate, They'll go overtime to make the whole country look like California. And uh, I think that would be, in many ways, the end of the American dream. It would be very hard to recover from. Why is I'm always puzzled by the media's complicity in this, because whenever there's a cultural revolution, the media is used in the beginning to push the cultural revolution. And then they come for the media. And the media is the next right. ones to go, and the media becomes state-owned. And it, so they're never, they're never winners in the end. So why would they become complicit in this? Um, it, well, partially because they are them. I mean, uh, I, I did a free newsletter the other day at Gingrich uh, 360 uh, in which I talked about three generations of brainwashing, starting with Marcuse in the 60s as a professor at Berkeley. Uh, this whole thing began uh, three generations ago, and every single cycle they've gotten more radical. And remember, that's the people who get who graduate and go to work. So what you have now at the New York Times is an entire radicalized group of people. Reagan, President Reagan once said, it isn't what they don't know that's frightening, it's what they know that isn't true. And so you have all these people who believe things with great sincerity and great conviction that are simply false. And so 
those people, are, they're there in the bureaucracy, they're there in the schools, and they're there in the news media. Uh, and uh, so uh, it, it's, there is no news media in the traditional sense, except maybe for Fox and the Wall Street Journal. I mean, uh, almost all of the rest now is so biased and so one-sided that it's essentially the, the propaganda arm of the left. Yeah, it truly is the propaganda arm of the left, but I just never understood why you would be they're they're committing suicide, uh, but just to force a and it's something that they believe to be true, but it's going to come back uh, and but, attack but they also, them. No, but they also want they want to be socially acceptable. Uh, reporters are remarkably insecure, and they want to be socially acceptable to their peers. Uh, and at the New York Times, there's a long history of this. They had a reporter in the 30s who got a Pulitzer. And when they later on realized he had lied all the way through, he'd been, he was in Moscow, and he lied all the way through about the huge famine that was killing 5 million people in Ukraine uh, because he, he wanted to protect Stalin's image. Uh, and they had another reporter in the late 50s who covered Castro and lied about Castro, saying that he was a reformer, not a communist. I mean, so there's a long tradition in the New York Times of having people who uh, see no enemy to the left. Nice. Great. It's one of the reasons they're probably dropping. This is why I've been getting free copies of the New York Times in my driveway for about a month now because they're trying to get me to sign up for the New York Times. So what does that tell you about the circulation of the New York Times that I'm getting it for free, but there's some poor dummy who's paying for it? Uh, it says a lot about them. Let, let me ask you this. So so you talk about how the, the election of President Trump, the re-election, is so important. What can the president do to turn this back? Because they hamstring him at every turn. And once, if he does win re-election, uh, and I don't trust the validity of our elections, but that's another conversation. Uh, if, if he does win re-election, how does he turn this around to the point where the next president can't just bring it all back? Well, I think, first of all, he he has to think in terms of winning the House, the Senate, and the presidency, because he needs all three to achieve the goals he wants. Second, he needs to define clearly who the left is, and he did some of that. uh, I watched his speech in Tulsa. He did some of that in that speech as a starting point. Third, he's got to get the economy growing. Nothing will work for him unless the economy is growing. And there's a fascinating report out today that if you're in – all of the slowest growing states are blue states with blue governors who are all liberals and who are all keeping things too locked up, including Cuomo. All of the fastest growing states are red states where you have people who've always been skeptical of government controls and where they're really beginning to grow pretty rapidly. So it's going to be interesting to watch how this economy works. But Trump has got to get the economy doing well enough that people believe he's capable of recreating the prosperity we had back in February. And then third, I think he's got to propose very big, bold ideas, including probably a one-year payroll tax holiday and 100% expensing for business to let us modernize everything. And um, I think transparency in health care costs, you can actually know what you're paying for, and you can shop for alternative prices. And also, I think, uh, a very big infrastructure program to allow us to compete with the Chinese on the scale of the infrastructure. Uh, and have the most modern roads, railroads, highways, airports in the world. All of that, that kind of a big positive program to contrast with where Biden and Pelosi and Schumer would go, I think would would do a lot to help getting reelected. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, it, it's it's just so interesting because I do. Let me tell you, I do fear when I see and this. That's who I am. Uh, listen, I, I was I was totally prepared for a Hillary Clinton presidency, and I'm like, all right, this is what I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to expat. I'm gonna move to Grenada. It's okay. There's an American hospital there. I had my plan already. I was all ready for a Hillary Clinton presidency. I am so fearful of a Joe Biden presidency because if Joe Biden becomes president, you watch the stock market tank the next day. House values are going to plummet. It's going to be a mess. And we will be, to your point, it's going to be California everywhere. So one more question. If they want to make us all California, what is the purpose of that? Because the economy tanks, the everybody goes bankrupt. You know, we, we they, wind up with just have, mayhem. No, but they have power. You may be ruined, but they get power. Remember, they've run Chicago for 89 years. And, and they've done you know, a wonderful their, their job, by the is, way. Their goal is power. Well, their goal is power. But they have power over people who have nothing. So what I mean, what power do I mean? So they just sit around and, and everybody else just, you know, rails against yes. them and that's that? Sure. I mean, have you watched Sacramento? Well, the the Democrats in California are looting the state on behalf of their interest groups. Yeah, it's that that to me is just fascinating because I don't understand. I guess they just retire then and they go off with their millions and go live in another country and say, see you later. And that's that. And the rest of us pick up the pieces, I guess. Oh, they they stay here, but they make enough money that they can afford to have, you know, uh, they they can be in a position to have the the security guards and and, and to be safe and not worry about it. And then eventually the people turn on them and it doesn't end well. It's very ugly. Uh, the right. book, yeah, the, this is, I find this fascinating. I'm so, I, I know I asked you a ton of questions about the book and we we're going to talk about other things, but I, I just, I think it's a great read and it's at the right point in history and the right point in time. It's called Trump and the American Future, Solving the Great Problems of Our Time. Uh, and it's available. It's on Amazon right now, Right. Right. Yeah, so it, so it is available right now. You can follow the speaker at Newt Gingrich. It's at Newt Gingrich on Twitter. Um, and, and pick up the book because, like I said, there's just so much more that we did not get to. And the timing of this book just absolutely fascinates me. Uh, great job, Mr. Speaker. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Great to be with you. Thank you. Have a great week. It's 10 for, oh, excuse me. It, yeah, it's 48 minutes uh, after the top of the hour. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. So you heard what uh, the speaker, former speaker uh, Newt Gingrich had to say uh, about where we are going as a culture. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. If you want to chime in, 866-408-7669. And where do we go? It just If Trump doesn't win, what happens to this zaniness? They're taking down the statue of Teddy Roosevelt outside, oh, excuse me, FDR, outside of the, um, the um, library in New York. Uh, yeah, it's a Roosevelt statue, the Museum of Natural History. They're taking it down. Because it's it's demeaning and it's this and it's that's offensive because people are upset and they're afraid and they're offended. So if the mob is offended, they just take stuff down now. I guess if they don't like the color of your home, they can just burn it down because we're offended by your house. 
where are we going with this? It's crazy. Tony in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, Tony, thank you for joining me here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? Doing great, Mary, and thanks for your good work. Mary, to, to frame my comments, I'm a political independent in an ethnically mixed marriage. I was raised by highly educated legal immigrant parents, and they taught the family logic and the evils of communism and socialism. We're also trade publishers, so we follow the news carefully. We fact-check topics impacting America and our industry. So that said, I think the 2020 election could be a historic win for the president and the GOP, but it could also be lost. And what I'm going to be referring to in part is this Trump rally, because it should be a wake-up call. News comments were, were quite right. The history of the left and the Cultural Revolution absolutely is critical in this. So, so the left and the media allies, for, for the last few years, they've used every fear tactic, every negative thing they can throw at the president and his supporters. The Wuhan virus and, the, and the, what's happening in the streets, that should be framed against authentic history like the Hong Kong flu and the civil unrest in 68 through 69. Yep. You, you know uh, the black professor Carol Swain and Indian immigrant Dinesh D'Souza, they've done a good job, I think, of connecting the dots of the true history of the Democratic Party, the KKK, slavery and racism. And, and they, among others, have said, hey, the big lies at work. And that's one of the things that I think people need to hear, not just fake news, the big lie. So mm -hmm. LBJ, he was a true racist, and he manipulated black voters, God help his soul, through the failed Great Society programs, and he took them away from traditionally GOP voters into Democratic voters, and that has to be part of what's exposed. The other thing I think that needs to be exposed, Mary, is that when you follow the muddy trail, it's not just George Soros that's funding these leftist groups. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and a whole string of these top billionaires, they've been using dark money channel methods for years to funnel these guys. IPS reported just a couple of weeks ago that they collectively have earned, these top billionaires, over half a trillion dollars during the pandemic. What's bad for the country is good for them. And so as the president and Senator Bernie Sanders and Liz Warren have all ironically said, the system, it is rigged. So you've got President Trump and his administration. I think they have to hammer at these root issues. Mm -hmm. And he's generally good at doing that. So I think what has to happen is accurate history. There has to be antitrust action, which Bill Barr mentioned yesterday with Maria Bartiromo. And there has to be a truly equal application of the laws. And if that happens, then I think that President Trump and pro-Trump uh, GOP candidates could have a historic win. But if the Democrats and their media allies, if they get to frame these issues, then yes. they're going to make the president into a racist. They're going to say he mishandled yeah. the China virus. And I'm sorry to say the president could lose, but I really believe, Mary, that I but think if they just hammer at this history... Tony, we, yeah, we're running out of time. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we're running out of time. We're up against the clock. You made some excellent, excellent points. And I, see, that's what I love. I don't care if you're, you agree with me or not. If you're informed and you know your stuff, I think it's great. And it's a great conversation. So thank you for a fantastic conversation there, Tony. Mary Walter lived in for Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Hey, good morning. Yeah, I get to sit in the seat for Brian again today. Very excited to do so. And we're going to start off here with Carol Markowitz. Carol is a columnist for the New York Post. Find her at Carol, K-A-R-O-L on Twitter. How is that for an amazing Twitter handle? Carol Markowitz, thank you for joining us. Hi. Hi, hi Mary. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, boy, how did you nail that as your Twitter handle right away? That's that's pretty good. <laughs> <And> early. <laughs> I was going to say, you sure did. You know, um, you talk about uh, the cancel crew will come for you someday. You wrote a piece about this mm-hmm. in, in the New York Post. I, I take issue with calling it cancel culture. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. And I know it's easy to say, and it sounds mm-hmm. great because it rhymes. You know, you got to get the alliteration going. It's not, it's, it's putting a bow on fascism. It's, right. You're absolutely it's, right. Yeah. It's fascism. It's not cancel culture. No, I don't care if you call yourself Antifa because you're against fascism. You are a fascist. You can call yourself Santa Claus for all I care. It doesn't make you Santa Claus. Right. So, absolutely. I, I've come to the, that same conclusion that that con- cancel culture title is just a little too cute and a little too innocent for what's really happening. And that's destroying the livelihoods of people whose opinions you don't like. And I think we've gotten to the point where it absolutely is fascist and it absolutely is a targeted harassment that we all need to take very, very seriously and not think of it as a cute online phenomenon. And, and, and it's so bad. It, you know, Aladdin, um, the movie Aladdin was remade with Will Smith in 2019. And Sky, Sky Broadcasting, which is owned by, I think, Comcast in Britain, they um, have now have a trigger warning on Aladdin because it's negative, um, has, it contains outdated attitudes. It's 13 months old. How did how did that happen? I didn't hear about it's that. Like a, wow, it's a baker dozens of it's a baker's dozen of months. They I, say I'm that. Think, um, but what's the outdated attitude in it? This film has outdated attitudes, language, and cultural depictions, which may cause offense today. According to the Arab American Anti Discrimination Committee in L.A., their their uh, pre- chapter president Don Bustany says, "Can an Arab American child feel good after seeing Aladdin?" The answer is no. Probably the most demeaning thing to Arabs is that all of the townspeople, the merchants, and guards and soldiers are depicted as mean and cruel. That's, yeah, you know, I was born in the Soviet Union. Let me tell you about Russian depictions in the media. Yes. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> it hasn't been that great. And in the 80s, when the Cold War was raging, it was not the best time to be, you know, a little kid from Russia in America. But listen, that's just how it goes. And it's not a big deal. And, you know, the, the fact that we are already attacking a film that's so new and just came out is a, a real problem for our culture and culture worldwide, really. It, it, it is, you know, and we were just speaking with um, a former speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, and he was talking about this as well and how how it, it, basically the same attitude that you have here that eventually they come for you. You know, they're eventually right. going to come for you. And I asked him the question, I don't understand why the media is complicit in this. I understand they're all a bunch of liberals. They're all a bunch of big lefties. And I get yeah. that. So they're supporting this. And they're but the. Mm-hmm. Is it a lack of history on their part that they don't see where this leads? The mm-hmm. Taliban had a cultural revolution in my lifetime. Um, Mao had a cultural revolution not that long ago. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do do they are they ignorant or do they just think that this cultural revolution they're going to be the ex- they're going to be the um, the exception <laughs> to the rule? Sure, they're going to be who the lion eats last. Um, I, I really do think that there's a fear component. There have been 
many instances at this point where somebody stood up for somebody else, like uh, Norm MacDonald stood up for uh, Louis C.K. and got his special canceled because he said that Louis C.K. maybe was getting punished too harshly. Um, so there have been instances at this point where it's you don't even have to be the person targeted. You could be tangentially related. In my column today, I talk about the stepmother of the police officer uh, in Atlanta who has been fired from her job when, you know, she obviously has nothing to do with uh, the Richard right. Brooks um, killing. And then there's other examples like the LA Galaxy player who's been fired for his wife's social media accounts. I mean, it's very Soviet. It's very scary. And I think people really are either too scared to speak up or they need, they're just not taking it seriously enough. And what I say in the column is regular people are going to have to say no. There's going to have to be a point where somebody tries to fire somebody from some company and the company will say, no, this person's a good person. We know them. We stand behind them. No, we're not firing them. And that's how this is going to end because these public figures are weak and afraid and they're not going to do anything to protect anybody else. So at what point they're coming for a Will Smith movie now. So now Will right. Smith, my, my hunch is pretty good that he's going to keep his mouth shut and isn't going to say anything because he doesn't yeah. want to be next. Right. So, mm -hmm, so they're mm -hmm. complicit. So is this, is this white America? I mean, conservative America's fault that this is happening. No, I, I definitely not. Um, in fact, one of the things that I have been saying throughout the years is that this is mostly a left-on-left -left phenomenon. Um, mostly leftists come for other leftists who aren't perfect, who aren't, who don't fit the exact correct mold. Um, it's not, conservatives have long been outside of this. I mean, one, one of the things I always say is, you know, they've tried to cancel, for example, Ben Shapiro a million times, and they can't cancel Ben Shapiro. So now they're going to come for Ben Shapiro's audience. And that's a really terrifying thing, because these are regular people who did not ask for to be public figures, and they're going to be targeted. And that's really where conservatives need to stand up and draw the line and help everyday people fight it. Yeah. Now I may have, I may have phrased that the wrong way in, in the sense of they're complicit and it's their fault in the sense that they, they remain quiet. They're complicit mm -hmm. in their silence, I guess is the way I should have, have, have said that, that they don't stand up for fear of they're like, Hey, you know what? I can't lose my job. I, I got to right. keep my job. So they yeah. come after your advertisers mm -hmm. like they're doing it. They, they're doing a Tucker Carlson right, right now. They come after mm -hmm. the advertisers. They try to get you that way to the point mm -hmm. so that you become you get, quote unquote, canceled. In other words, their fascism silences the voice that they don't like. Yeah, I, I heard somebody describe it as I don't like your opinion, so you can't eat. And I think that the conservatives drew that kind of picture for other people like they're literally telling people that they can't work, they can't survive because their opinions are wrong. I think it would resonate more with the average American. I, I, I like just that. think a lot of people think it won't happen to them. I think that they think that they're so um, protected in whatever their life is, but it, it's a concern. And I think all Americans need to be worried about it. It doesn't matter if you're on the left, you're on the right. Uh, an example that I use in the column also is a, a woman went to a Washington Post um, cartoonist Halloween party in blackface and her she's a, a liberal she was making fun of Megan Kelly which is absurd um, but you know she was outed by these other Washington Post columnists in a insane column last week and she's been fired from her non-public job and so we have a situation where again it doesn't matter if you're left or right they're coming for you 
they will come for you. If you don't take a stand now, you may be the one that they come for last, but they will come for you anyway. But yet they allow Governor Blackface in Virginia, Governor Northam, who Mm -hmm. he could have been the guy in the blackface. He could have been the guy in the Klan hood. He's really not sure which one. You know, he doesn't really remember, (laughs) you know, so so but they let him stand and they let him maintain his job and they ignored him. So they don't always come for the left. I think it's the luck of the draw and how how important you are to the cause. If you are, for whatever reason, Governor Northam was important to them and they let him slide and he got a free pass. I, I don't think that's exactly it. I, I really think it's your reaction. I think it's how you handle it. So what I've long said is conservatives, you know, when they're like, you're canceled, you can just be like, oh, no, I'm not canceled. And that's it. Like, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm not canceled. I'm still here. I'm still talking. I'm still going to push my opinions. And I think what Northam did is said, no, I'm not canceled. And I'm keeping my job and too bad. And so that's the reaction we need regular people to have. And we need companies to stand behind those regular people and say, no, we're not firing them. No, I'm not canceled. And no, I don't care what you say. And that's where we have to get to. And but and again, because I find this mm-hmm. conversation so fascinating because I walk a tightrope every single day, as you can imagine, yeah, as, as do you. Right. You do, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So so it's fascinating to me to watch how this handles how mm-hmm. this plays out and how people handle it. I look at the right, though, and especially in the case of Gover- Governor Northam, I looked at the Republicans mm-hmm. in that state and said, where are you on this? Right. Why right. don't you scream yeah. and yell? To, why don't you do to him what they would do to you in a heartbeat? Yeah, well, that's and the they other, don't. You know, that's the other method of handling this. So, you know, my idea is just to say to stand up and say, no, I'm not canceled, and I'm not taking your abuse. Um, but the other path that we can absolutely take, and Jesse Kelly on Twitter is all over this right now, is trying to cancel liberal institutions and liberal people for their misdeeds. I mean, right now Jesse Kelly has this whole cancel Yale thing, where you know the the person that Yale is named after was a slave trader. So why do they get to keep their name while we're losing Thomas Jefferson statues? And I think that that's definitely a path. Um, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure who supports that and who supports the version of just standing up and saying no. Um, But, you know, Yale losing its name would be catastrophic for the institution. And if they do that, it's, you know, it'd be a giant win, right? The conservatives for for the the anti-cancel people. Yeah, I like I like that idea. I I pulled that with some people. I said the Democrat Party, if you want to get get rid of anything that could be offensive, because they infantilize minorities that they can't handle mm-hmm. walking past a statue that they're 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 somehow traumatized by walking past a statue. They're so fragile, you know, that they need the left to to pave the way for them and coddle them so that they're not hurt by the big mean statue. And, yeah. and, and I, and I went after somebody and I said, well, if you, if you really believe this and you really should probably get rid of the entire Democrat party, because <laughs> all of the well, statues yeah. you're tearing down are statues of Democrats mm-hmm. and all yeah. of, you know, Nancy Pelosi had the pictures of four former speakers who were Confederates. They were right. all Democrats. Yeah. All four of them were Democrats. So yeah. if you really want to rid the country of the number one symbol is symbol of the Confederacy and of people who were pro-slavery, it's the entire Democrat Party. Right. Well, and they don't want know, to hear they, that. Right. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's a, basically the the leftists in their party ultimately want to do. I think they just don't realize it. But yeah, that's what the AOC wing is coming for. They are coming for the Democrat Party, and we'll see what happens to them. 
Yeah, it is kind of fun to sit back and watch them cannibalize themselves. <laughs> um, that part, that part of this is fun because you can see, you mm-hmm. see the shark fin in the water. You and I see it. We're on the beach, going, oh, yeah. there it is. Of course, uh-huh. yeah. you know. And Nancy yeah, Pelosi is on a surfboard waving, you know, and she doesn't see the shark coming. Uh, and it's that an shark image. is, well, that shark is in Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit. There goes lunch. Um, but. <laughs> You know, but all joking aside, um, AOC is that shark in the water, and oh, yeah. Nancy yeah, Nancy absolutely. Pelosi. Has, How do they not see that? You're, you know, I love that analogy. I love the Nancy Pelosi on the surfboard wave. <laughs> feel free to use it anytime. Yeah, but, thank you. <laughs> but she she coddles her and she allows her and she gives her free free reign. And from day one, she allowed AOC to sit with protesters in her office. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, what are you doing? What are you, you, this, this is a child. You need to treat, she's a freshman. Why are you not <laughs> disciplining this child? And this is what, what happens when parents don't discipline kids. They run wild, and the next thing you know, they're living in your basement, and they're using your credit card to order stuff off Amazon. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and I also, I, I have to keep coming back to this point also, is I don't think the majority of Americans are into any of this. I don't think that the majority of Americans are loving people getting canceled for the wrong opinion or statues of Thomas Jefferson or, uh, you know, um, Theodore Roosevelt being torn down. I, I think that they're just, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. We're um, still, you know, we were inside our homes for this whole time. People are just getting out. They don't want to deal with any of this heavy stuff. So the the left is really taking advantage of this moment in history to push through what they want. But when people wake up, I, I just feel like they're not going to find that they're going to enjoy what this leftist people are doing to their country. And yeah. I, I'm waiting for that moment. Yeah, so am I. But uh, as I said to the speaker, I have a crystal ball and the pandemic ends on November 4th. Uh, <laughs> just, just just a hunch that I have, depending on who wins. If Trump wins, then, you know, the whole country is going to be burned down. But if, if Joe Biden, if Sleepy Joe gets in, the pandemic ends on November mm-hmm. 4th. Uh, you can follow Carol at Carol, uh, K-A-R-O-L on Twitter. I just did it. Go do it. Uh, the Thank article you. is The Cancel Crew Will Come For You Someday Soon. It's in the New York Post. Carol Markowitz, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you. All right. Your call's coming up. 866-408-7669. I have so many things that are being changed. People wanting to change the name of cities now. I'm sure Washington State will have to be renamed. Washington, D.C. will have to be renamed, which I'm sure they're fine with that. Um, but on and on, street names being changed in some communities because they, they harken back to, uh, to the, the, um, the Confederacy. It's crazy. And what we're going to talk about it coming up, 866-408-7669. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The unhinged left-wing mob is trying to vandalize our history, tear down our statues, and punish, cancel, and persecute anyone who does not conform to their demands for absolute and total control. We're not conforming. That's why we're here, actually. This cruel campaign of censorship and exclusion violates everything we hold dear as Americans. 
That's right. This president in Tulsa at his rally on Saturday night. And he's absolutely right. Uh, cancel culture. That's a that's a pretty name. And I don't think you should use it. I think you should call it what it is. Call it fascism. Don't allow them to control the language. We let the left control our language and we adopt their terms for things. They're fancy, cutesy little terms. And doesn't cancel culture cu- culture sound, you know, it's just so much prettier and less nasty than fascism, which is absolutely what this is. This is fascism. And they'll tell you, no, it's not fascism. And and they'll come after you. And then I just copy and paste the definition of fascism and I leave it there. And I will tell you a hundred percent of the time, I never get a response. They just go away because it's fascism. Where does this go? Where do you see this going? 866-408-7669. Chris in Rogers, Arkansas. Chris, hi. Chris? Hi, Mary. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for taking my call. Um, sure, go ahead. Yeah, I was, at Pres- I was at President Trump's rally with my wife and I the other night, and he did a fantastic job of showing the, the differences between the radical left and the burn and riot and uh, vandalize and, and uh, hijack freedom uh, party and then what he has to offer, which is hope. Uh, funny enough, Barack said he had hope and change, but President Trump actually is giving America hope for safety. You know, we want to be safe. We want to be able to work hard, prosper. And those are the things he's about. And that's what he's doing a great job of, uh, of driving home, I think. Why do you think there was not, you know, the, the, the arena was not full? You were there. What, what, what was your take on that? So we got there right about three o'clock when the gates opened. Um, there was a big perimeter around the whole BOK with two gates. Thirty seconds. We went to the we went to the closest gate. Uh, protesters kind of mobbed it and closed that gate down. So we had to go all the way gotcha. around to the other gate, and we managed okay. to get in. And then um, they had to close that gate later too. So that's so pro- we- okay. I, I, we got to run. I, that's what I wanted to know. But, Chris, thank you. I thought it was due to protesters and, pe- you know, you get mixed messages on that one. Thank you so much. And I'm so jealous you got to go to a Trump rally. More coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I also think about how there aren't any other statues depicting those who were oppressed by people like Junipero Serra and the missions. And so um, I'm not sad. The country is not ready to uh, admit to a lot of things that has happened. And I think the people now are saying that if you won't do it, we'll do it. I don't necessarily prescribe to that uh, that thought pattern, but I'm not mad at it. I think it's wrong. Why? For what? What are you accomplishing? What, what are you, you know, you're destroying things that don't belong to you. You know, it's from the city, our city, my city. Those were uh, people uh, reacting to protesters tearing down statues in San Francisco. They tore down statues of former President Ulysses S. Grant, who led the Union Army in the Civil War. 
But Grant had to come down because um, he married into a slave-owning family, but he did own a man named William Jones uh, for uh, less than a year, and he did free him because he realized it was wrong. And uh, he somehow got him. They don't know whether he was a gift, he was bought, whatever. Um, but which is weird to me saying that a human being was a gift. How uncomfortable and weird and disgusting is that? Uh, but anyway, um, in, in 1859, he was given or got somehow acquired William Jones, 35 years old, and he was in Grant's service, but he, for less than a year, and then Grant freed him. And he wrote to his father, Grant wrote to his father, who was an abolitionist and said, my inclination is to whip the rebellion into submission, preserving all constitutional rights. If it cannot be whipped any other way than through a war against slavery, let it come to that legitimately. If it is necessary that slavery should fall, that the Republic may continue its existence let slavery go. Uh, when he was president, he took on the KKK. He crushed the Klan as president. He presided over the ratification of the 15th Amendment. Uh, he did give, um, he brought uh, blacks into uh, into uh, the government, uh, prominent roles in the government, appointed African-Americans to prominent roles in the government, but they tore his statue down. I, because of whatever reason. And the same people will tell you that they will vote for Joe Biden because even though he has a troubling past, he's going he's going to make it better this time. We have to give him a chance to make it better. We what? Talk about your head being on a swivel. Like, how, do, how does that happen? How do, you, how do you go through those mental gymnastics? They took down uh, the statue of Father Junipera Serra, uh, who uh, is, the, is a saint in the Catholic Church, took his statue down. Um, who knows why? I have no idea. Francis Scott Key took him down. God only knows why. Who knows? I don't think there's that. I think there's just a mob mentality where they have nothing to do. So they're up all night. And the these are groups of people who are just saying, there's a statue. Let's tear it down. Because somebody says he was a slave owner. Ah, he's got to go. And and this mob mentality that, that takes hold. If you have not watched the movie Idiocracy, I highly, highly, highly recommend you watch it. We watched it again. I've seen it several times, watched it with friends who hadn't seen it, um, watched it with them on two weeks ago. And they were just sitting there with their mouths open, like, oh my gosh, this is happening now. And we're like, yes. And it's about the dumbing down of society. They mock the dumbing down of society. We're living through it right now. We're living through a cultural revolution. Uh, there are a petition. There's a petition for the city of St. Louis to be, re, uh, to be renamed. They want to rename the city of St. Louis because it's named after the king, King Louis the Ninth, who was apparently an anti-Semite. King Louis the Ninth. How long ago was that? Uh, they want to rename uh, Columbus, Ohio. They want to rename it Flavortown. Watch Idiocracy. This will all make sense to you. Um, they have more than 16,000 people who have signed the petition to rename the city of Columbus, Ohio, and on and on and on the insanity goes. What happens if Trump doesn't win? Does this stop? Where does this go? It's frightening. 866-408-7669. Sal in New Jersey, listening on WABC. Hey, Sal, good morning. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? One of my hometown boys here. Yeah, I'm just very disappointed because I don't think you get it, though. You know, I was six years old walking into the Museum of Natural History. I never liked that statue. 
Never. As at the age, wait, wait. At the age of six, why didn't you like that statue? What What did you see at the age of six? And be honest. Person. Be honest. No, it didn't make black people look good or the Native American. Here it is, a white man mounted on the horse, and these two other folks are walking, and it just symbolized supremacy. Because I was, a lot of black people actually feel that way. They don't get a chance to talk about it. But let me ask you, but just because you see it that way, is that necessarily the way it was intended, number one? And, and you know, do we? what do we do about history? I have a real problem with history here because there's things that well, offend me. I don't like the way my, my family came here in the 1930s. They fled Nazi Germany. They're German. My grandfather's name was Adolf because he was named way before the Hitler Adolf. And right. yet his he they were they had such a hard time here. Uh, so I don't like the way Germans are portrayed in movies. But yet we do it all you the time, under, and nobody seems to care. What about the way the Irish are portrayed on St. Patrick's Day? We do that as well. What about that? It's all different, Mary. Oh, can you still why? Hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Why can is you it different? Me? Yes, oh, but it's all different because black people. My family has been in this country since 1750, enslaved in in uh, North Carolina. Yeah. Our experience is totally different. We built the first hundred years of this 247-year-old country. And when you walk, you want to see something that's going to uplift your image, okay, as a black person in the mood. Mm-hmm. I go down to the museum, and I said, wow, look at this. And the man is half closed. He's wearing ripped clothes. And you see, that statue came from the colonial period. Right during the colonial period, when white supremacy was at its height, England ran everything, France conquered many parts of Africa. So now the people who can speak now, because we couldn't speak before, now people are saying this. You didn't have any input in those statues going up. They didn't care. You see, and it's difficult for white folks to really see this because they don't walk in our shoes. Well, of course, and you don't walk in mine, and and you don't walk in mine. So for you to say that it's different, for you to say that it's different, maybe that offends me. Do you see where this goes? And that's the problem. No, it doesn't have to go there. Somebody has to take onus. Somebody has to be the bigger person. Right, so you want people people who disagree, you want the people with whom you disagree to be the bigger people. No, I'm just trying to persuade you with intelligence, that's all, to see that it offends one of your countrymen. Okay. I, and, listen, and again, there are things that offend me as a countryman, but, but I understand don't, don't that. You see, don't you see it's not the same, Mary? It's really not the same. This is apples and oranges, my dear. But, totally but, different. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. You know, you, you say, okay, my family was enslaved, but you have, and, and you're right, that was a horrible, terrible thing. This country fought an entire war. Almost 700,000 men and women died to right that wrong. The vast majority of them, white Americans, but we give no credit to that, no credence to saying America came out of that and we are better people now. Instead, we but are trying remember- to wipe away everything associated with that. And if you want to wipe away everything, associated with that you better get rid of the democrat party because they were the ones who were pro-slavery they were the right so but we don't and the black people support the democrat party so until you can explain (laughs) that to me i won't understand it i can i can explain it to you too quickly quickly i can explain it to you quickly quick the the, i'm i'm not with democrats or or republicans i'm with right and wrong for one i'm not a partyist and that's fine is 
and and Dad, I just forgot you what you said. No, I just I just just very quickly in like thirty seconds explain to me if we're all about if if this is so hurtful to African Americans and you say it is and that's your that's and I have to believe that that's how you truly feel and I do and I respect that that's yeah. how you feel. Um, but yeah. if that's true, then you explain to me the overwhelming support for Joe Biden, who ushered in the crime bill in 1994, has done nothing in the past 40 some odd years to right all these wrongs in the country regarding race relations. But now he's suddenly going to do it. They, they, they support Nancy Pelosi. They support the Democrat Party, which is the party of slavery. Right. It is. And so are the Republicans. All of them are slaveholders. Every last one of them. I'm not partially any of them because the and then if you look at the the republicans especially when they want to make america great again it harkens back to what time when was america ever greater than what it is today so that's the thing that scares many of us because they want to people don't want to move on they want to go backwards we are trying to go forward america is better today than it's ever been you know what so make america greater so let me ask you do you support do you support joe biden I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have to because it's the left. See, so see, so now I'm done. Now I'm done because you're you support when you say when was America ever great? I want to go back to the time, back to the 1950s when when the black when the black people in this country had on average a higher income than they do now. When black families were whole, when you didn't have more than 70 percent of black children being born to into a home without a father. When they had a better chance at moving up in this in the country. Now, I understand there were other things going on, but who was keeping them out of white schools? Democrats. That's who was keeping them out of white schools, not Republicans, Democrats. Who filibustered the Civil Rights Bill of 1960, 1964? Democrats. So if you're going to sit here and tell me you support Joe Biden, I have to move on because that's exactly what I'm talking about. I don't blanketly support him. I don't. But you will vote for him. Is is that if I'm going to vote, I want to vote for him than Trump. Well, the, well, see, and but Trump brought you, and that doesn't make sense. Trump brought you the lowest unemployment numbers in the African community in history. He he brought yeah, he brought mind. crime reform. He brought the crime reform bill that brought brought how many black people who out of prison who were serving longer sentences than white people. Trump did that. Joe Biden put them in prison. So if you look at this, how we got to run. But if you look at at um at, at the facts. And you sit there and tell me, oh, yeah, well, I've got to vote for Joe Biden because I can't vote for Trump. I- I'm sorry, but I just don't see that and I don't understand it. And if you're going to vote for the party of, of racism, I, I-, I got to walk away because I don't-, I don't understand it. Don't get it. Uh, very quickly, uh, let's go. You know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, Ryan, hang on. I'll talk to you next. Uh, I just want to want to get some time here because I'd have to cut you short because it took up a lot of time there with Sal. Your call's coming up on, on, on uh, the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm going to sit on WABC. On the Brian Kilmeade Show on WABC. <laughs> it's Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. So we're talking about what happens if the president doesn't get reelected with the fascism that has taken hold in this country. And that's what it is. It's it's fascism. You saw the Taliban blow up statues they didn't like that were thousands of years old. And now you're watching uh, the left blow up statues and anything that they don't like um, and destroy it because they don't like it. Mao did the same thing in the 60s. Mao Zedong did the same thing in, in China. Uh, Cultural revolutions uh, start out with really good intentions and people jump on board because it's just and then slowly but surely it turns and it gets out of hand. And the next thing you know, they're blowing up things that have you going, well, wait a minute. When you're blowing up the stuff that I didn't like, I was pretty good. I was down with that. That was okay. 
But it's okay because, you know, the guy in office, you heard the last caller, Sal, Trump's racist. I'm like, wait a minute. Trump has brought the African-American community the lowest unemployment rate in their history. He, he's he's uh, the, 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 the prison reform bill has released hundreds of African-Americans who were serving longer jail times than white people for the same crime. And that's racist. I wait, I'm sorry. How, how does that, that? So you have to vote for Joe Biden, who's done nothing for you for the last 40 some odd years he's been in office because you can't vote for the racist. This is where I have a problem with this stuff. The, to me, there's there's a disconnect in the quote unquote reasoning with all of this uh, in Virginia. Joe, good morning. You are on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes, I just wanted to give my perspective as a Native American. I'm a member of the Chippewa tribe. My father grew up in a reservation, and I remember growing up as a child, my dad used to worry about uh, people um, not hiring him because because uh, he was Native American mm-hmm. and had a hard time looking for work. And, you know, what, what irritates me is nobody sees the Native American side of this, that the United States back in the day was trying to create genocide against the Native Americans yep. by having the cavalry go in and killing women and children in mm-hmm. the tribes to try to reduce and drive them off the site. And who was part of that cavalry but the Buffalo Soldiers? The Buffalo Soldiers were part of that group that killed the Native Americans. And every time I see the Buffalo Soldier monuments or any of that, the first thing I think about is they were part of the group that was trying to create genocide. They were out there killing Native Americans, just like the white man. So why are we taking those statues down now? See how ugly history gets when you scratch the surface? I know. I I, so you know, so the minute you try to ask them to take down those statues that offend the Native American, guess what? No, no, we can't do that. We can't do why not? It offends me. So if we're gonna do it across the board, let's do it across the board. And as a Native American, let's 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 you know, if we're gonna take them down, let's do it. See, and, and I, I, I will say, I think that there is a purpose for these statues. Statues, and Brett, Brett Bear said this um, when we were talking to him, uh, we interviewed him, and, and he said, he said, you know, these statues aren't to remind, is, are not to honor who we are now, but to show us where we've been. And, and I think that that's a really good way to look at things. You know what? They still, they did not tear down the concentration camps in Poland and Germany. They left them up as a reminder and I would assume that they're very offensive to people who had relatives. My my great uncle was in not one but two concentration camps, and he somehow survived. So my family's German, but they know the history. And, and you know, they, they were putting Catholics in, in concentration camps as well. But instead of saying these are offensive to people because it's a painful part of history, it's a painful reminder of history, they do the opposite. And they bring school children there and they teach them. Why don't we do that here? Why do we have to erase everything? And we don't do that. And to your point um, with Native Americans, uh, Dryer's Ice Cream has announced that they're renaming the Eskimo pie because that is apparently derogatory, the term Eskimo, which I didn't know, didn't know it was a derogatory term. Uh, but so now there will be no more Eskimo pies. So um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think you make a, a, an excellent point. Thank you so much, Ryan. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, you also have, you know, Aunt Jemima, her great-grandson. Now, this, there were several Aunt Jemimas. The woman who played Aunt Jemima, the second woman to play Aunt Jemima was in the 20s. 
Um, she, the first one was Nancy Green. She was a former enslaved woman. She worked as a cook on the south side of Chicago, and she was hired to wear the apron and headscarf while serving pancakes. She became a sensation, nationwide sensation. She uh, she made money doing this. She was able to, to make a living doing this. She was able to pass things on to her grandchildren by doing this. The woman who was the second um, Aunt Jemima, um, Ms. Harrington, her great-grandson now uh, is very upset about this. Larnell Evans Sr. Uh, said, they, the racism they talk about using images from slavery that comes from the other side, white people, this company prof- profits off images. And he's saying the company doesn't want to pay, they don't want to pay um, royalties. And he's really upset that his great-grandmother's legacy is being thrown out here uh, because of this. And here's another woman who had a job and had a very high profile job and was a celebrity and traveled all over for, for this company. And it's being thrown out. So you sometimes have to look at the other side of this. There's two sides to every story. And to the last caller's point, history isn't necessarily that, that simple and quick and easy. There, history is dirty. And there's no one with clean hands. And you got to question how far back do we go? And I understand some people are offended. I get that. But maybe we can twist it around and think of it in a different way and use it to learn from and to teach our children that this happened, but we made it right and we did made it better. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.